Welcome to the Allied Advantage, brought to you by Allied Nutrition. Our mission is to provide quality products, consistently made and delivered with the superior customer service and integrity that you desire and deserve. Tag along with your hosts, Ralston Rip and Jefferson Keller, as we gain knowledge, visit with industry experts from across the Midwest, and continue to share your stories. We are here to be your partner in production and success the Allied Advantage. Welcome back to the Allied Advantage episode number six. I believe we're at Jefferson and um, I know we're excited to be here and excited for the episode that we have in store for you all today. Um, Very educational. I learned a lot for sure sitting down with our on-staff nutritionist Dr. Jeffrey Fulmer. But um, as always, kind of before we get into the nitty gritty of it, Jefferson, how have you been? What's new? What's happening? Um, time's flying. Yes, it is. Uh, I'm doing well. We've been awfully busy. You know, we just finished up four days there in Kearney at the Fall Classic. Uh, we're regrouping, getting ready to go west here to Cheyenne for a week or so with the Cheyenne Livestock Expo. So a lot of things in the works, you know, as part of the Allied team and personally, some things are getting... A little bit slower. We're getting cows to stocks this weekend, hopefully. Our sale finished up and only got one of those calves left to head to their new homes. So, uh, That's you know, good. Yeah, yeah, you know, working them, getting them out to their new families. And things are starting to slow down just a little bit here, you know, outside of work. But no, it's been, it's been good. It's been a mm-hmm. good couple of weeks since our last episode here. Yeah. And time is flying and just trying to keep our head above water. Yeah, no, it's, uh, we're all moving in a lot of different directions, it seems like, in in a good way, for sure, and just a lot happening. Harvest is still going for some guys, Harvest has wrapped up for some others, and um, kind of just depending where you're at geographically, things look a lot different, it seems like. Definitely do, and I've talked to a couple guys here in the last few days that are still harvesting, and stuff's mm-hmm. coming out of the field way higher moisture than they would be yeah. expecting, and they're having some issues, and you know it's just been kind of an odd fall you know some of these guys are done and were done early and had no Mm -hmm. problems other guys it's a little bit of a struggle and it's just one of those things that you know in ag there's always going to be challenges so Mm kind of got to roll with the punches and get through it the best you can yeah the good lord switched it up on us a little bit i know it seems like out east they're a little drier and out west they're you know they're wet and they're having to wait a little while for harvest or cows can stay out longer on stocks. And um, I know driving through North Dakota a couple weeks ago, they were really wet and talking to a producer up there, they're like, yeah, we've had a beautiful summer. And it's like, wow, like that's, that's exciting, right? Cause those, those individuals haven't seen that for a while. And so it, uh, tables kind of turned this summer, that this year did. for sure. <laughs> it's good for those guys for sure. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they were in pretty bad shape there. And so it's nice to see them getting refilled and, mm-hmm. you know, the tables have turned for them in a positive direction. And yep. uh, like you said, flipping the script here, as you go east from where we're sitting right now, it's uh, those yeah. guys aren't really used to seeing what they've had here this summer. And, you know, hopefully that's not there for the long haul, but yeah. uh, just kind of a rare, odd deal here this summer. But yeah. we don't know, I guess, until we get into, into next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. The effects will come up, it seems like, a year from now or a couple years from now. And, um, just even how the livestock handle the different weather, right? And how their how nutrition has definitely played a factor in that too. And um, I know we're we're just bringing cows home this weekend off of grass, and 
it seems a lot later, but they've been able to stay out there and we're getting them out so they don't get stuck out there if we get any more snow. <laughs> I know we had snow a couple weeks back, which is even wild because it's nice out today. Yeah, unseasonal, I'd say. I mean, yeah. it's going to hit 60 here the next several days. And I was talking with a guy yesterday, you know, he is loving this weather. Yep. So I hope it sticks around. I don't think it's going to happen. It's just one of those deals you got to take it when you can get it because yep. it's the worm is going to turn. Uh, yep. Hopefully it doesn't get too nasty or miserable this winter, but uh, we'll take this stuff while we can. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think, you know, talking about where you're at locationally and just how the weather has affected where you're at and just even your actions because of it is a really good lead into um, what we're talking about today and who we get to visit with. And um, Dr. Jeffrey Fulmer, who is actually originally from some colder weather and has stayed out here in the Midwest in the beef country and joined our allied nutrition team, just sits down and visit with us about his past, about what you can expect or what's some good observations to make with winter supplementations. And um, I think without further ado, let's just turn it over to him and get the conversation started. All right, everybody. I'm excited to uh, introduce our guest for, I believe it's episode six of the Allied Advantage. Uh, with us today, we've got our on-staff PhD nutritionist, Dr. Jeffrey Fulmer. So, uh, Jeff, why don't you just kind of give us a little bit of background on, um, you know, where'd you grow up? What is your experience and through school and kind of what you've been doing over your career? Yeah, thanks, Jefferson. Um, so, if you cut North Dakota in half north, south, east, west. I grew up about there. And um, so then I went to uh, North Dakota State, uh, got my bachelor's degree a long time ago. I hate to admit how long ago that was. Um, uh, wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do, so I did a extended internship at a place called Darnell Ranch out in Banner County, Nebraska. Um, diversified feedlot, farm, cow-calf operation. Um, Decided then I wanted to go back to graduate school. Uh, went to UNL for both my master's and PhD. Uh, mostly research on cornstalk grazing, yearlings, developing yearlings from weaning to slaughter, different programs. I uh, was also a research technician, so I got involved in the E. coli research, uh, Optiflex research, um, and some implant trials. So then uh, after graduating there, I went to work for a feed company here in central Nebraska. Did everything from managing mills to feedlot consulting, a lot of cow mineral stuff, uh, a range of opportunities. And, and about three years ago, I came to work over here uh, for Allied Nutrition. So, Absolutely. I know that we uh, started about the same time here, roughly, uh, with Allied Nutrition. Um, and, you know, you kind of going through your background there for all of our listeners, it's pretty obvious you've had a wide range of experiences and being able to get your kind of feet wet in a lot of different areas. And the one thing that you mentioned that we'll get to here a little bit later that I'm excited about, uh, you said you focus a lot on corn stock grazing uh, in part of that. And that's really what we hit on in just a little bit. We're not quite ready to get into that yet, but... Uh, as far as what your day-to-day -day looks like as part of our team, kind of why don't you give everybody a rundown or what are your main responsibilities or what do, what do you spend a lot of your time doing uh, as part of Allied Nutrition? So, I mean, part of my role is education for the sales staff. So I'm 
constantly just trying to intake as much information as I can as far as nutrition, marketing, even political things that are happening that might affect the markets or might affect our production systems. Um, I do all the formulas, I do all the feed tags, and then I try to try to educate you guys as much as I can on what's what's new and what's coming up in the industry. Right, and I know that uh, a lot of our teammates uh, rely on you a great deal for information, and you know I'd say that uh, we all have quite a bit of experience, but we all get questions that we're not sure what the answer is. So having you uh, as a part of the team is a great resource because you are uh, are really intertwined into what's going on and what's new technologies and a lot of these companies reaching out to you and, and sharing about new products that are coming to market and how we can use them. Um, as far as, you know, when we get into working with customers individually on a, on a personal basis, uh, you also do a lot for us uh, and our team as far as developing products right building rations so you know what are some of those things or what kind of capabilities do you have when it comes to that side of the business yeah i mean we can about do anything we want to as long as the ingredient is available at the mill uh, we've got software that'll can balance for pretty much any parameter you put in there um, we've also got ration programs that are developed to, to about handle any kind of feed ingredient that you want as long as you know kind of the, the lab analysis of it or the, the nutrient contents of it. So, And Dr. Fulmer, you talk about um, as long as we're able to get the ingredients right, and I know I really appreciate any time I have a customer that comes to me with an idea, um, not only do we try to help them solve their problems as good as we can but you're also pretty good at you know asking the right questions to producers of saying um just even asking why or how and so i guess a question that i'd really love for you to share is when you're walking on a customer's place or visiting with a producer what are some of the big things that you you need to know to help them as best as you can yeah that i mean it really depends on the customer i mean i to start with Boots on the ground is important. You know, you can sit in the office and run your computer, but until you go look at the cows and look at the conditions, and I mean, I can pretty much tell how good quality the hay is just by looking at it, but we do like to do some sampling and some test results, but I mean, it's really tailored to the individual producer and what, number one, what the cattle are, what stage of production they're in, and then you need to know kind of what the goal is, where you're going forward. Are we are we going to the show with them? Are we going to the fat market with them are we going to sell yearlings are we going to sell calves off the cow just you know we got to ask all those questions and and really get to know the customer on an individual basis that's a really good point that you both talked about there is when i first started uh, one of our i would say senior team members uh, his first words of advice to me were it is impossible to ask too many questions right uh, whether it's you know, you think you have enough information and you get into working up solutions and, well, dang it, I wish I would have asked them this, right? So we do an awful lot of information gathering before we ever start making recommendations. And I think that's a big key is we need all of the information, just like you said, Jeff, about, okay, where are we at? What type of cattle do we have? What are our goals? Are they third trimester cows that we need to try to increase in condition on going into calving season or are they plenty fleshy and we just need to maintain all these different pieces yep. um and then really the big thing too is okay what do you have for feedstuffs 
yep. right? And everybody's different. And equipment too. You know, do right. they have a mixer? Do, do they have a tractor? Maybe they don't even have. Maybe all they got's a, a hydro bed. So right, we got to mm-hmm. figure figure out what the solution is with what they are dealing with. So we're working for a solution for myself. I don't have a, a TMR wagon that I can't put something together, you know, like that. So we're talking grain mix and rolling out hay or putting out alfalfa, those kinds of things. Or uh, there's just so many variables given that can be different between each operation that uh, makes it challenging, but also kind of fun because you really start to kind of get invested and in, in know these people and what's going to work best for them. So, uh, yeah, the the question piece is huge. Is you can never ask enough and, and try to get your hands on as much information to be able to make the the best recommendations and solutions for each individual outfit. Yep, and it's problem solving, and that's what I like to do the best. So, so as we're talking about different situations or scenarios or just operations in general and how different people do business, right? We are heading into some colder months here, and we've had some episodes talking about um, some of the technical side behind different supplements or different ingredients that go into products. I guess what's kind of your advice as we're heading into these colder months? What should guys really be looking for or what should they be observing to maybe then be able to come sit down with you and say, hey, Dr. Fulmer, um, you know, I have this ABC problem. I have this happening with my herd. What should we do? What should what's some of those big things they should be looking out for to be able to decide what their best winter supplementation may be? Yeah, so it, it, first I would start with the condition of the cattle, you know, and calves, cows, whatever. Then what's the condition like? If we like Jefferson mentioned, if we've got some cows that are three or four body condition score going into the winter, that's something we need to really worry about, right? Because um, we don't want them too thin. Uh, Second is stage of production. Maybe are they calving in January? Then they're already in the third trimester, and we know from second trimester to to calving that nutrient requirement goes up quite a bit. It's not as bad as lactation, or not as high as lactation, but it it is increasing, and we want to have those um, girls in a positive plane of nutrition going into into calving so that we don't have any wrecks later. So. Uh, those are the main two things, you know, other than that, like you said earlier, what kind of feedstuffs are available? Um, if it's corn stock grazing, how much, how many green weeds are out there? I mean, we've had some really nice weather where there might be some green, you know, green things growing out there that we need to worry about. Um, how much corn, down corn is out there, just all those things in general. So, You bring up a really good point there, or a couple points there at the end of, of that in with the weather, I mean, I've noticed there at our place that there's a lot of color coming back in some stuff here in the last week. You bet, yep. Um, I don't know that there's necessarily a lot of growth, but uh, we're getting some color back, and this weather certainly helped that. You also hit on the down corn, and I know that that's been a, a pretty hot topic with uh, some people in a lot of our trade area uh, because there were some, some spots that were impacted pretty greatly with weather conditions this summer and uh, that weren't very favorable for our row crop guys but uh left a lot of corn out in the fields and we have actually visited about that on our team and you know one of the things that you can do is try to get a great gauge and we've talked about that a little bit so for guys that have that concern uh, or are concerned about with how much corn they've got out in a field what do they need to do or how can they on their own try to get an estimate of, of where they're at so the university came up with a system, UNL, um, 
so in 30 inch rows, if you'd walk or measure 100 feet and count three rows, count the ears, that would give you the number of bushels in that that area. So, I mean, if you got a whole quarter, you want to take a lot of samples. If it's just one or two small spots, um, you could just do those individually. Um, and then you just try to mitigate how, how are we going to meter this corn out because there's two problems. One, if it's a lot of down corn uh, in a high-yielding field, you just got too much corn out there, but you also have too much more corn than you have forage. So you want to keep that forage to corn balanced also. So there's several strategies for, for getting around that. Um, we can go into those. You know, there's the simplest one is fencing, but it's a lot of work, right? You got to move the fence all the time or use the poly wire and the step-in posts. Um, fence that out and don't, don't graze it. Maybe you bale it, you know, I, something like that. Trying to just try to limit the amount of corn. Um, the other option is feeding hay out there. Those cows generally will balance their diet fairly well on their own if you give them enough forage. Um, so you could use a combination of the fencing and the hay. Um, then we get into supplements. You know, I don't think there's any silver bullet supplement out there. Um, there's certainly things that help um, a balancer type mineral with, if there's a lot of corn out there, you don't need any phosphorus, but you need lots of calcium to balance that out, make their guts feel better. Um, sodium bicarb is another one that we recommend. The feeding rate on that's two to four ounces, but I would guess they would eat a lot more if they're having a stomach upset. So we like to feed a, a no salt mineral so that their sodium requirement gets them to start eating that sodium bicarb, teaches them what it is, teaches them how it makes their stomach feel better, that kind of thing. So it's kind of funny that uh, cows are a lot smarter than we probably give them credit for, right? If they don't feel well and they find something that helps. Yeah doesn't take them long to figure it out i mean they'll find grass hay too or they'll graze the edge of the field because they know they're loaded up on corn and yeah yep and i think another big thing for guys to think about and i know i mean as you drive around the countryside there's a lot of cows out on stocks already but you know if you've got uh cows that haven't gone yet which mine have not uh, i'm hoping to get them out here shortly but you know make sure they're full when you take them right don't send them out there empty because then they're going to gorge themselves and yep. that's one thing just kind of a buffer so they can slowly acclimate a little bit yep yep um and and if you had the ability to feed corn to them for a few days you know the biggest thing is the transition shock like if you're going from dried out dead winter range to corn that's a big change for that rumen so the slower we can do that change maybe you go to a field that has a little bit of down corn first and then you could work them into that higher corn something. You yep. know, that would, that's all, always going to benefit them. Anytime you change a ration. Right. That's slow, slower the better. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing that we've got quite a bit of here in our area in some different spots is cover crop. Mm -hmm. So what are some considerations? I mean, I know we've got guys that run cows strictly on cover crop. Um, what are some concerns there or watch outs or things that – maybe how you handle those cows different than cows that are just running on straight corn stalks? So it, it really depends on what it is. Um, you know, you can have anything from rye flown onto a corn stock field where it's just a little bit of rye there, which kind of actually makes a nice balanced diet of green stuff, you know, good protein, high protein grass and 
low quality fiber forage from the corn stalks um, to something that's you know maybe planted into a, a corn silage field um, which is you know a lot of green there a lot of growth there a lot of energy a lot of protein so again that transition is what's important you you just don't want to throw them out there when they're hungry and get them used to as used to that as you can somehow yeah that's that's one of those things that you know i've never personally sent my cows to cover crop but there's certainly a lot of them in the area and i think even each year it seems like we're seeing more and more cover crop and, and cows being grazed that way so some good pieces there to, to keep in mind you know when we get into talking about the nutrition of the cow and her requirements right you touched a little bit on you know if you're calving in january you're already in the third trimester uh, i'd say the majority of our area customer base is probably going to start somewhere end of february first of march right so we are second trimester right now what are we looking at nutritionally that that cow is requiring at this point and are corn stalks alone going to meet her needs probably not um you know look at the field see how much green is out there see how much is growing out there if you if you take the book values of corn residue it's around a six percent crude protein um most cows even in the second trimester are six and a half to seven so you're missing a little protein there um guys that got cows that are going into the third trimester or in the third trimester those requirements can run up up to eight so we've got to really start thinking about heavy supplementation there with those cows so um yeah you want to get fill in that protein little protein gap and the other thing is those corn stalks are not very digestible and they're not very nutritious so like the mineral content is low there's no vitamins in there unless there's some green grass out there there's no vitamin a out there so all the all those things is what we need to look at when we look at a supplementation strategy gosh you kind of stealed my question there jefferson because uh, that's definitely something i've been having a lot of conversation or questions from producers of they've never fed any protein supplements or why should they or do they have to and um i guess just even like a very dumbed down question then is if a guy has not fed anything while they're on corn stalks, what may be just a good place for them to start if they're just wanting, you know, to start a better nutrition program? What would you recommend? What's kind of the the go-to need that they should just begin with? So I kind of work backwards and start with the mineral. I mean, that's first, you know, the basics. Um, then you start worrying about energy and protein. Um, it's kind of like doing a ration, but the mineral first, we do have some uh, corn stock grazing minerals that are high protein, but they're not really protein. They're non-protein nitrogen. It's called, it's a, it's a product called Biorette. Biorette is similar to urea, but it degrades at the rate of soybean meal in the rumen, so it's not dangerous. It won't kill them. Uh, if you feed them a lot of urea and they overeat, they will, they'll die. So, um, but it's a way to get a little bit of nitrogen into them to feed the bugs, to digest that fiber, that you know, hard to digest fiber. So like in the second trimester, that might be an option for a guy to just fill in that little gap um, with, with one of our corn stock grazing minerals. But then when you get into the third trimester, you really got to start feeding something that's more pounds and, and more 
maybe not higher protein, but more pounds of a, you know, 30% kind of a protein where you're feeding a pound or maybe even two pounds of of some sort of protein supplement. I mean, we've got many options. So um, you can start with distillers grains. We sell distillers if you've got a way that to, to get that out to the cows. Cubes, range cubes that would be fortified so you wouldn't have to feed a mineral. Um, and then we can get to the kind of the best one or the easiest, most convenient one are the tubs that we sell. Um, you know, there you don't have to be there every day. You don't have to be putting them out every day. You can put enough out for a week at a time. And they're getting most of their protein that they need and all the mineral that they need with those tubs. So, I think that's a big one you hit there as far as not having to be there to feed every day because labor is getting tighter all the time, right? And that's something that we've talked about before on on the show here and uh, certainly something that is a consideration. Um, the other thing that I wanted to hit on quick is you talked about looking at the minerals first and you know that corn stalks are essentially zero when it comes to vitamin A content, right? And we've had this conversation before is a lot of guys maybe buy up their mineral for the year in the spring, right? And then they've got it sitting in their shop. What's the shelf life on vitamins? <laughs> well, that's, I mean, it's debatable and it's certainly not forever, right? Um, I've heard things that you lose half of the content in six months. That's kind of the guess out there in the industry. So if you've got a, uh, a mineral with 120,000 IUs of vitamin A, so that, that at a four ounce mineral, that's her requirement. But in six months, that might only be half there, right? Right. So, I mean, we just got to, for me, I would prefer buying mineral in the winter when you're needing that vitamin A. When they're on green grass in the summertime, they still need vitamin A, but there's probably a lot more in that green grass, unless you're in some kind of drought situation. But. Right, and that's what I wanted to get at is, you know, we've we've talked that if you're going to pick up fresh, do it when they're on stocks, when you know that they're lacking yep. and you know that they're not getting anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I would say that probably some of our formulations are over-formulated from sure. a vitamin requirement. Sure, that was the old strategy. You put 240,000 parts per million in there. That way, if it sits for six months, it's still got their requirement met, yep. even if you lose half of it. Right. So. But, you know, if you're trying to be proactive and making sure that uh, that cow's getting what she needs, uh, get fresh stuff yep. and try to plan ahead. And whether it's, okay, in October you book for your year and that's when you run it or you just pick up as you need it through the winter when they're out on corn stalks, go that route and making sure that all those micros are being met by that cow because – I think that you'd probably agree with this, that that vitamin and mineral supplementation is one of the most critical pieces of cow-calf nutrition. Yep, and, and, you know, I understand guys are trying to cut corners and save money, and sometimes you can do that, sometimes you can't. You know, it's just we got to tailor it to each each individual producer's production system, basically. Lots of different options or lots of different ways to go um, with really supplementing these cows on corn stalks. And as we kind of wrap up our conversation or talk about, I'm sitting here thinking about um, what I've seen guys doing or what we're doing back at home even. And I guess kind of a fun question I have for you, Dr. Fulmer, is 
you mentioned we have some no salt minerals and then putting salt out um, to help those cows kind of start consuming that sodium bicarb. Do you have a preference or have you seen anything different with salt blocks versus loose salt? Well, I, I, to be honest, we haven't, I haven't been around a lot of salt blocks other than with like horses and cows in the lot and stuff. Um, but it's, to me, it's kind of like the tubs. They can't just go up there and eat mouths full of it. Yeah. And it, that would depend on the tub too, right? Because there's tubs aren't tubs aren't tubs. There's some really soft ones and there's some really lighter weight ones. And so ingredients matter and, and uh, manufacturing process matters. But um, I would think that they would eat enough salt to satisfy their needs with a block, but they probably wouldn't overeat it. Um, but I don't see them eating a lot, overeating a lot of salt when they don't need it. There's places, especially along the rivers in Nebraska, that you can't put any salt in, in the mineral, otherwise they won't, cows won't eat it. So there's differences in the ground. Um, you know, I, like I said before, I've been studying, I, I try to study a lot of stuff, and if you study agronomy and you study soil tests, there's a lot of difference in salt content of, of farm ground. And so I think that's probably true with pastures too. We just don't know that because we've never done the research. But I know that there's a lot of, it just depends on the region. Um, down there south of Kearney where you are, there's a lot of higher salt, you know, half salt minerals uh, just because the cows overeat if you don't put a bunch of salt in it. And the guys don't want to mix it by hand, right? Um, but like I said, other places along the rivers, there will be no salt in the mineral. So a cow's requirement's about an ounce a day of salt. So somehow they're getting that sodium somewhere. So, Yeah, and you kind of um, answered my next question or foreshadowed it a little bit of the preference of whether mineral has salt in it or not. Um, yeah. I know kind of in south central Nebraska, they don't. They buy the no salt mineral, right? They kind of lean towards that. And kind of where I'm at, it's a split of kind of a personal preference, that mixing um, situation. But I think just even reiterating, it's personal preference and geographically of if you whether you want that salt and that mineral or not, or when we're on corn stalks here and utilizing it too. Mm -hmm. This whole salt conversation is something that I think we could kind of get on a rabbit trail, I guess. Oh, yeah. and, you know, oh, yeah. uh, it's something funny to me, you know, even back to my days when I was in college as an intern with a feed company, we had a lot of conversation about salt and the mineral. And it's interesting because it works as an attractant. It also works as a limiter yep. if you start to include so much. I think so. Yeah. Uh, I agree with that. So I get this question a lot. Majority of the mineral that I stock, uh, a floor stock at my location, has salt in it. Yep. Right. Anywhere from probably 16 to 23 percent salt. Guys then are wanting to cut it yeah. with salt and mix in their own. One, I think, to limit costs, so that's not that they're not going through minerals yep. so fast. But yep. what is the risk of that? Well, I mean, it's just they're gonna. I think they're gonna eat what they need of salt. Um, so what I try to say, if a guy wants to mix salt, which if you have to, you want to, you want them to eat four ounces of that mineral. So most minerals are formulated to at least hit the NRC requirements in four ounces of mineral. Some of them are over, and we can have a discussion on nutrition someday if you want to do that. But that's a <laughs> that's a whole podcast in itself on the NRC requirements and how they're 40 years old and whatnot. So, um, but 
in that for so if you've got cows eating eight ounces of mineral a day and your option is keep feeding them eight ounces or feed them four ounces of salt i'm going to say probably put four ounces of salt out there now if they go to zero or one ounce a day now now we're probably getting behind on nutrition so it's kind of an art and you kind of got to know your ground and know kind of have some experience with hey this pasture they don't eat salt so we got to have a no salt mineral in this pasture i mean you know guys like that we've got customers like that um yep cows where i personally have my cow cattle they hardly will eat mineral unless it has salt in it and if you take salt up there they will just go through the salt and put salt out by itself so it's kind of a trade-off you know you got you got to kind of experiment on your own and figure out what works for you i think that's a really good point because that just kind of strengthens or or puts some credibility behind guys we need to be monitoring right like absolutely let's not just take three bags of mineral out and a bag of salt once a week when we go check cows okay do it with some intention Mark it down when you put it out. Track what they're consuming. The other big thing when we get to talking about salt and mineral is, I think the worst thing you can do is let the feeder go empty. Yeah, well, and they will. I mean, I've seen that too where these cows haven't had mineral for three months, and you can put it out every day, and they will just keep eating until they – but eventually you'll find them. It might be three months' worth of mineral in in a month or something. but They will get – filled back up mm-hmm. you know and that's where i think a lot of people as you talked a little bit earlier about cutting costs is okay we're going to take two bags of mineral and a bag of salt out once a week don't matter if they went through it in three days but then they get more relaxed about not putting it out religiously because they're going through it so fast right but, but then only how many of your cows are getting that out of a hundred right you might have five cows eat all that mineral or ten you know i mean so you're shooting yourself in your foot in the foot that way too right and i guess my thing is if you want to if you think your cows are going through it too fast that's not the time to cut it back (laughs) and limit them right it's going to hurt maybe at the start until you get them filled back up but they will level off yeah and I, i would just say you know what have they been eating the last month or two you know i mean maybe they didn't get any mineral for july and august and now you put them out on stocks in september and they're just mowing through mineral well there might be a reason for that it's because they didn't get any for the last two months and their copper depletion you know the copper depleted their salt depleted their everything so yep and that's like i said i think that's just something that i have that conversation with quite a bit and it really just comes back to the point of all right when we're putting stuff out that's free choice like that let's do our best if it's salt mineral if it's tubs if we've got guys using lick tanks and liquid, let's track so we know exactly what those cows are getting. And we can, if we need to make changes from there, once we know where exactly we're at, we mm-hmm. can do that, yep. right? But yep. let's not make rash decisions because we think this is what's happening. <laughs> let's yeah. do the math, try to figure it as close as we possibly can, then go from there. Yep. I agree. Well, I took us down a rabbit hole a little bit, but it's definitely a debate at our house sometimes. And we've done a trial of, you know, no salt mineral and then salt mineral just to see what happens. Right. Because it's all very personal preference. And so it's kind of fun. 
Um, but getting us back on the track a little bit of coming into these colder months and talking about the importance of making sure your vitamins and minerals are out there and um, enough protein as these cows are heading into calving in their third trimester. And now also, I guess, Fulmer, just foreshadowing a little bit too, um, we worked on a lot of development rations kind of a year ago or as these guys, whether it's open heifers or placement heifers or cows, um, what's that kind of look like? Or what's that, not only just the supplementation part, but when we're looking at a full ration, if guys are wanting to feed their cows or have the ability to feed them in a bunk, um, what's kind of your recommendations if we're going to get these little open heifers or replacements ready to be bred um, next summer? What should what should they be kind of doing this winter to help best prepare them or get them off to the right start? Um, well, I mean, nutrition's important. Supplementation's important. I think a plan is more important yeah so they weigh x amount of pounds today we're going to breed them may 15th or whatever you know pick the days let's plan out that we're going to make sure these they have enough nutrition now and all through the winters that they're going to gain the proper amount of weight so that they can breed when we need them to yeah um, as far as cows go it's it's body condition score um, you know one of our roles as salespeople and as consultant type people is to I think it's important to go out and look at cows for our customers when you see those cows every day you kind of they don't change but they do change you just Mm -hmm. don't notice it and so I think it's good for us to go out as much as we can and look guys cows over and say hey you know they're looking good or maybe hey maybe we need to feed them a little more Mm -hmm. you know be honest with them and say you know give them your opinion you know so yeah, and that's something I really appreciate working with you, Dr. Fulmer, is your first thing is we can go we can go out and see him. Like you want to yeah, see him, I'm, right, first. I'm going to steal it from the Curse of Oak Island, but it's boots on the ground. Like yeah. that's a picture's worth a thousand words. You know, it's just much easier to, to be on farm and, and see it. I think the last thing that I uh, – a question I've got for you is another piece we've talked about. You know, the last couple winters we've had some absolutely miserably cold weather. Yeah. How does that affect a cow's requirements, <laughs> right? You've got uh, some experience yeah, from your homeland up north, oh yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Um, I know that that makes a dramatic difference. And, shoot, was that two years ago now? I mean, it was cold enough. A cow physically couldn't eat enough to maintain herself. But what does that look like? <sighs> now you're going to stress my brain. Um, there's a – actually, North Dakota State has a formula, and it's like – Below, and I can look, I've got it on my computer, it's below 30 degrees for every degree her requirements go up like a percent or something like that. And so, right, when you get below zero, she physically can't almost eat enough dry matter to to make up for that. And so you just, I mean, you got to feed them better or, you know, feed them some more supplement. You know, a lot of guys that are feeding their ration have ration feeding capabilities will go out during those really cold times and give them a little extra, especially if they're on corn stalks, um, snow gets a little deep, you know, they can't graze enough. Then, then you gotta just, you gotta kind of play that by ear, but, um, having them in good condition going into it is a big plus then too. So, right. I think that's the huge thing is, you know, in our part of the world, we don't get long, prolonged stretches of, you know, weather where we're 10 to 30 below, but when they come, be prepared and hopefully you've got your cows in good enough shape to get through it. 
Um, I think the other thing is we see a lot of guys that maybe, you know, the old saying is our cows got to earn a living, yep. right? They mm-hmm. make them work for it, and I understand that, right? Uh, our cows at home, they're not pampered by any means. I mean, they're there to do a job, yep. but at the same time, if you get into spots like that, just understand that you got to help them out, or yep. you're just going to ask be asking for trouble yep. in the long run. And I think that's a big thing that you know people. Yeah, you know it's cold, but really, I don't know that anybody or a lot of people know exactly how much of an impact that makes on that cow and yep. in her program. I think a common thing too is getting to just sit here and t- um, listen to our conversation is be proactive rather than reactive. Mm-hmm. It's always easier to do it, you know, before the snow comes rather than when there's two foot of it out there and it's below zero. Right. So, um, I think that speaks volumes to whether it is with the winter storm or whether you're just preparing to, for them to have, um, to be in good t- condition once they have their calf and calving, but then also preparing to be proactive to get them bred and to get them bred back and, um, efficiently. Right. And kind of close up that calving window. Um, but being proactive rather than reactive. And I think as we're wrapping up here too, Dr. Fulmer, you're going to become no stranger to the podcast for sure, but kind of just a fun question that I'd love as we're talking about bad winter and just where you came from too, I guess, what kept you in Nebraska? Well, I really didn't. I stayed, you know, after the university, I was working in the feed business and Nebraska is kind of the epicenter for the beef industry, really. I mean, other than Texas, we have the most cattle on feed usually we trade that back and forth um great purebred producers very great mm-hmm. commercial producers um a wide variety of of feeding or grazing feeding type options when you got the sand hills all the way down to cornstock country i mean it's really kind of cattle country so yep. um this is kind of the the big leagues in nebraska for cattle production so exactly came to stay in the good life in the beef state and and the winter's a lot nicer (laughs) but it doesn't get too hot you know for very long it's about like the cold snaps it get hot for a few days and then yeah cool off so yeah exactly well we're sure glad you stayed and we're um i know i'm really grateful to have you as a part of our team and be able to utilize your wealth of knowledge that you bring to it and we appreciate getting to just visit with you more and pick your brain and get to know you and Um, I'm sure we'll have you back as we encounter numerous challenges that Mother Nature brings to us and how that we can help partner with our customers and producers as Allied Nutrition. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Fulmer. Uh, It was a blast getting to visit with you and really introduce you, I guess, to kind of our listeners and our, our customer base as far as what you do for our team and what kind of resource you are. So uh, a lot of good information that you were able to share with us. And I think both Ralston and I picked up some things that maybe we weren't super familiar with or hadn't thought of before. And uh, glad we got to sit down and, and have a conversation with you today. I know I definitely learned a lot and I learn something every time I call Dr. Fulmer and I really appreciate, you know, I'll be honest, I'm always learning about nutrition still. So to be able to have 
um, Jeff on our team with us to just call and, you know, find the answer for me or he knows the answer already. I certainly appreciate and he's just a great resource if you call and say, hey, Jeff, I have this customer. He has this issue and he'll be the first one to say, let's hop in the pickup and go see him. So I sure have learned a lot and appreciate his knowledge and his um, efforts to really just make our team better. So thank you so much, Dr. Fulmer, for joining us today. And we're sure excited to continue on kind of this busy fall season heading into some colder months. Um, maybe not right away. Hopefully we can enjoy this fall weather for a while. But um, I guess, Jefferson, do you have anything else we need to update our listeners on before we bid them farewell? The only thing I've got for you guys is if you are going to be in Cheyenne for the yeah. Cheyenne Livestock Expo, we'll have a booth there. We'll have some product there. Stop by and visit with us while you're uh, in town. We'd love to have the chance to talk to you, uh, visit with you about what we've got going on, and um, kind of share our story, the reason behind the brand, mm-hmm. and, and the products that we've got. Uh, and otherwise, you know, reach out to Ralston or I with any questions yeah. or one of our teammates. Uh, we'd love the chance to work with you and find the right solutions for you. Yes, exactly. And I think with that, I'll just do a plug. If you are looking to contact us or looking for more information on our products, head on over to our website, feedalliednutrition.com. Jefferson and I's contact information's on there as well as Dr. Fulmer's um, and as well as just information about our products and what we we can help you do on your operations and how we truly just want to be your partner no matter if that's in production or success and anywhere in between. So with that, we hope you have a wonderful fall season in November, and we'll see you next time on the Allied Advantage. Thank you for joining us on the Allied Advantage, brought to you by Allied Nutrition. Tune in every second and fourth Thursday of the month and stay up to date with your partner in production and success. The Allied Advantage.